Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. The kids, and I have some college kids here so they won't remember this, but the kids in the 80s and 90s grew up singing the lyrics, I don't want to grow up. I'm a, yeah, you guys remember that? A Toys R Us, you knew that, right? And it's like, I don't want to grow, and, and everybody sings that, and we even sing that, I mean, no matter what, if, you, if you're a rebellion, you're like, I don't want to grow up, I'm a Toys R and the jingle actually dates back to 1982, and of course, of course, you know, the marketing behind this was, was that Toys R Us has a million or more toys to play with, and so why grow up? Why grow up? Let's play, we'll play with toys and, and, and to be a kid and to enjoy all the toys. That's what they were focusing on. And of course, you know how jingles get in us. And, and, and of course, this sounds wonderful as you get older because I don't want to grow up. I want to still play with toys. And I suppose as we do grow physically, we, I guess we just grow into big people toys, I guess, right? We have, um, tools <laughs> and motorcycles. Anyway, so we're not going to talk about that, but let me say this. If I'm being honest, it's, it's sad and heartbreaking to think about this in a spiritual sense. See, Paul, remember, is writing to the church. So you have to, in your mind, go, Paul's writing to me. I'm the church. I, Paul's, Paul's writing to me. And he's writing to you and to me with some great ways to apply the truth. Many in the church today are singing that jingle. They're singing, I don't want to grow up, spiritually speaking. When in fact, the Apostle Paul, with as much love as he can muster, is in exhorting us, encouraging us, admonishing us to grow up, to become mature believers in Christ. That's what he's saying. Now, remember the imperative we talked about two weeks ago. Back in Ephesians 4, 11 and 13, Paul writes, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and pastors and teachers. And we would ask why. Here's why. For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity and faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to a measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. Your attention, please. The word perfect here actually means to grow up. Paul says he gave us apostles, he gave us prophets, he gave us teachers, he gave us pastors, so that y'all, y'all could grow up. See, Paul was texting, you didn't know that. All y'all need to grow up to be mature in the Lord, and we would get a good amen. amen. And now jump to verse 15. It says, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto him who is the head of Christ. So the word grow up there, and you know this, it's the state of children, right, that are of full-grown men. This, from the state of being children to the state of being full-grown grown men. I could say this, from the state of being children to the state of being a full-grown woman. There is growth. 
only in the spiritually alive, not the spiritually dead. And it says that we may grow up, be mature in him as to be more and more incorporated in him and to become one with him. How's that? Here's the imperative. You ready? The imperative is Paul's saying it's time for us to grow up. It's time to grow up. You guys remember many times in your life, your parents might look at you. They might have said, hey, it's time for you to grow up. You need to grow up. Will you just grow up? And we keep waiting for people to grow up, to grow up. The imperative that Paul writes today, you got to grasp this, church, is the imperative is for us to grow and mature. Now, before we jump into what Paul's really saying, let me just remind you what we've talked about. Why? Because the first three chapters are so important, so we understand the last three. How so? Well, he breaks it down into two natural sections. We have been transitioned from being made worthy in chapters 1, 2, 3, and these really outline what God has done for us and in us, the new life that we have. He has a, in, in, in a brand new family, he's transitioned us from being made worthy to now walking worthy, chapters 4, 5, and 6. And again, if you're taking notes, it's imperative because 4, 5, and 6 really is our response. This is what we need to do. And we're challenged at the point, understanding that God has done some amazing things in our lives. We understand verses or chapters 1 through 3 so that when he gives us, jot this down, 41 imperatives in chapters 4, 5, and 6, we go, yes! We, that's what we do. That's what we do. And then basically you go, well, what are the imperatives? What are the commands? You ready? This is how we should live. This is how we should live as fully devoted followers of Christ. Let me say it again. You're not getting me. This is how we should live as Christians. It's like when you go and you look in the mirror. You see the mirror is a reflection of who you are, what you look like, how many gray hairs you have, whatever it might be. And so you look in the mirror and that's, well, the word of God is the same way. It's a reflection and this is how we want to be. This is how we want to be. And so again, this is what he's talking about. So the one thing you'll notice is that Paul will challenge you based upon being what? Being made worthy. He's going to challenge you. And you go, hey, how many of you get chapters 1 to 3? I do. Okay, so you get it. You get it. How, how, well, well, as a matter of fact, let's just, let's see what Paul has done. What has God done for us? What has God, you know what? I, I want to know. What, is, what has God done? Well, let's go through these. Okay, these are what God has done. I'm going to go back very quickly. But Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 says this. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him. Here's what God has done for you. He chose us in himself before the world was ever created. Come on, that's a great place. Why? He chose you. He chose you. I'm not sure I would choose you, and I'm not sure you would choose me, but God chose us. You go, amen, that's good. Look at verse 5. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good... Listen, he predestined us to be his children. 
We've been adopted into an amazing family. This is good. This is good. We're never to, to wander vagabond in this world going, oh my goodness, what should I do? Where am I? I don't belong. He's, he's adopted you. He's adopted you. Look at verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins according to his riches of grace. Guys, he sent his only son to die and thereby atone for sins. You're forgiven. I'm forgiven. That should be enough to put a smile on your face for the rest of the day. Wow, why are you smiling? I'm forgiven. Jesus died for me. You see, church, listen to me. The book of Ephesians, our focus is so we reach those that are far from God, right? We want to see. But the point is, you go, Pastor Ben, slow down. I don't know how to witness. I don't know how to share my faith. Just smile and say, I'm forgiven. Why? Jesus died on the cross for me. Yeah, but I know you. I know. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Wow. Well, what else do I get? Right? Late night TV. Wait, there's more before you order. Look at verse 13. In him we've, you also trusted after you heard of the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. This is what he says. He says, not only has he forgiven you, not only are you his children, he says, he's given you the Holy Spirit to live in you forever. Everybody say forever. Exactly. Not just not just for a little bit. Forever. The Holy Spirit. He sealed you. He sealed you. What else? Look at Ephesians 2.4. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love in which he loved us, what does he do? He made you alive spiritually. He made you alive. Something came up inside of you. You're alive. Ah, my spirit. And that's what happened when you were born again. When you came and you prayed a prayer. I always tell people who come forward, listen, words alone aren't sufficient to save because we could say all these words all day long. But when the Holy Spirit comes and you're born again, you're spiritually alive. You're spiritually alive and something's different. You're just like, it's, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Well, that's what God has done for you. Look at, uh, look at Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Paul writes, for grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Do you know what God has done? God has graciously gave me the faith to believe. To believe. No one can change your mind. No one can go, hey, come on. You go, no, I believe. I believe Jesus walked this earth 2,000 years ago. I believe he died on the cross, and I believe I'm the recipient of that salvation. How so? I believe. Well, let me challenge your belief. You can't, because I believe. I believe. That's what he's saying. Look at Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let me just say this, and this is so important. God gave us, God gave you a purpose. You see, you weren't just born. You have a purpose. You matter. This is what he said. He said, man, listen. We are his workmanship. You know what that word workmanship is? It's poinia in the Greek, and it means you're his poem. God's looking at you and goes, man, I gave you a purpose. And then he brought you to Lubbock. And he brought me to Lubbock for a purpose. 
Oh, how He loves us. Because He doesn't just bring anybody to Lubbock, Texas. He brings the strong and the willing and the gut-wrenching and the... Okay, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. But He loves Lubbock, doesn't He? And so He says, I'm going to bring somebody from Oceanside. I'm going to bring somebody from here. I'm going to intermingle them. And then we're going to take what we know, guys, and we're going to reach Lubbock. We're going to reach those that are far from God. We're going to reach that. Because God loves Lubbock, and God loves us. Grasp this. Grasp this. Paul assumes we're growing and maturing in the Lord. He assumes that. He's looking at your life going, you're growing. You're growing in God. You've grown. And yet, we discover something very important. You go, what's that? There are those who call themselves Christians that won't grow up in the Lord. So Paul in love will give us seven, jot these down guys, seven signs, seven signals, seven somethings that we're not growing or maturing in the Lord. He's going to tell us these are things that that you've got to check your own heart. Now again, this is one of those things where you go, Lord, um... It's Palm Sunday. Could we talk about something else? And the Lord's like, no, I, I want my people to grow. And I want them to do a heart check. And then what Paul does, he goes, listen, I'm going to give you seven signs just so you can compare. Okay? So all of us, we're going to look in the mirror. We're going to look in the mirror and we're going to see, okay, Lord, reflect those. Where am I? And then he's going to, he'll finish off, guys, by reminding us to put off the person, the old person, and put on the new. That's what we're going to talk about today. So, you ready? Okay, here we go. Let's jump into our study. Seven signs we're not growing in the Lord. Look at verse 17 with me, guys. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Okay, let me give it to you in the New Living. Listen, with the Lord's authority, Paul says, I say this. Live no longer as Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. The very first sign we see Paul wants to remind us is that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Now, your attention please. Understand, when you gave your life to the Lord, you were, you were instantly into a brand new family. Gentiles and Jews alike, one glorious family. You understand that. But there were still Gentiles out there who didn't do that. He could see the work of that. And you're going, okay, so what is Paul saying here? He's saying, just as you and I should walk in the manner worthy of Christ, verse 1, we are not to walk in the ways of our former life. The believer's new life in Christ involves change in direction and conduct. You're going, Ben, where are you getting at? Here it is. You ready? Jot this down. One of the major signs Paul is referring to for you and I to just, again, look at our lives and say, Lord, is this me? That we're not growing in Jesus is worldliness. Worldliness. When we have accepted the Lord and have become believers... And yet, we're walking in the same ways we did before we met Jesus. 
This is what Paul is saying. You see, worldliness, if you're taking note, it's a condition of being concerned with worldly affairs, especially to neglect the spiritual things. Worldliness. Worldliness. You go, Ben, what is worldliness? Well, let me just say this. First and foremost, it's flesh over spirit. Worldliness elevates the urges of the flesh over the teachings of the spirit. No, 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 no. I'm going to do it my way. I've always done this way. This is how I am. That's worldliness. It's time over eternity. The worldly person is fixated upon now instead of then. It's outward above inward. It's self above God and others. It's the present world over that which is to come. Okay, listen, church. Worldliness is when we're walking in the flesh and we're causing division in with people when your heart hasn't changed to walk in humility and submission to Jesus. Now, this is a great encouraging message for Palm Sunday. And Joe's leaving, so I mean, I must have hit him hard. Just kidding, Joe. It was Francis who said, I'm supposed to be in here. And I'm going, okay, Francis, I need to just let you know this is, this is what it is. So, so, uh, but honestly, you need to know that when I'm studying this, the Lord is convicting me before I even bring it out here. I don't want to walk in the flesh. I don't want to fight the agenda of what God is doing. I want to walk in humility and be a blessing to those around me. I want you to jot this down. Here's what Paul says. Again, let's, let's, he says, guys, listen, now that you're saved, now that you're believers, don't walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. And you go, what does that mean? Well, here, there's two things that accompany this, this sign. And you go, what's that? If you're taking note, it always encompasses belief and behavior. Belief and behavior. What you believe is how you behave. No matter what. What you believe is how you behave. And so what I want to do is make sure, church, because I love you so much, that we do a heart check and say, Lord, where am I with you? Where am I with you? I got saved 17 years ago, whatever it might be, and, and you start looking, you go, man, there's a lot of the same things that I do. That I do. Second sign, Paul says. Second sign is you're not growing. You're not growing. Because you're saying, I don't want to grow up. I'm a, whatever it is. He says this. Notice again, guys. I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the, as the Gentiles walk. He says, in the futility of their mind. That's the second sign. That we have futility thinking. You go, what's that? Well, if you're taking note, futility means vain, empty, or worthless. Vain, empty, or worthless. Okay. When people live apart from God, their entire way of thinking is ineffectual, distorted by the power of sin. Think about this. Again, their entire... Here's the thing. When you get saved, okay, your thinking changes. You think differently. If you walk in the futility of your mind, you go, I'm saved, but I'm still thinking the way I used to when I grew up. When I grew up. And, and again, it's what? It's ineffectual. 
It's ineffectual. To live with the futility of the mind is to think and live without any regard for God in eternity. We see a lot of Christians today, and it breaks my heart, but there's a lot of Christians who live this way. Their thinking is, ah, we got a hundred years. Let's just, let's just do life. I'm going to grow old and die, and I'll leave this on to my kid, and they're not thinking of the world to come. And yet, over here, we see, we see Ezekiel 38 and 39 forming right before our eyes. We see nuclear weapons pointed at Israel. We see all of these things happening that we've talked about in the book of Revelation, and futility thinking is like, meh, <laughs> that's okay. And, and again, it's, 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 it, there's no regard. And so you go this, and you go to this Christian, remember, Paul's writing to the church. And you go to this Christian, you say, hey, what do you think about what's happening? Oh, I don't, oh, what, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Futility thinking, Paul writes, is to live for selfish gratification or the fleeting pleasure without regard to any consequences. Whether in this life or in eternity, it's to live according to the world's philosophies that leave God out. As believers, we should be growing to the place where our mind and our thoughts are about God and how we can glorify him in everything. So when you go to work tomorrow, when you go to school tomorrow, when you meet, your thoughts are, how can I glorify God? Hey, bro, you want to go? You want to go? And hey, hey, you want to go have? No. My thoughts are, no, I love God. Well, you're just a big holy roller, man. You're just a Jesus freak. No, I just don't want futility thinking because I understand consequences. And I understand the consequences to myself. See, see, because life's changed. I've changed. I'm not the same. How many of you remember the day you died? Say what? How many of you remember the day you died? Did you write, did you write an obituary? Because it's true. Do you remember when Pastor Self died? 1920. No, 2000. Two, 1920,000. That's when he died. <laughs> when you gave your life to Jesus, the old man died. He died. I don't want to think like that dude. Do you want to think like that dude before? No, you don't want to think like him. He's thought, he's thought. Now, let me just say this. That old dude raises his head every now and then. That old thinking, come on somebody. That old dude comes back and you're, and you're like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I think Philip just stomped the old guy right there. Just uh, He just went. We should be thinking this. See, Paul admonishes those who refuse to grow up. Their thinking is the same when they were in the world. Wow. Wow. Another word for futility is vanity. And one commentator writes, Vanity of mind is the waste of rational power and worthless objects of which idolatry is one. One of more glaring instances, the root of it is departure from the knowledge of the true God. To th- guys, listen. A- again, think about this. Think about this. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. And, and people are saying, I don't want to grow up. I- I'm going to still live in the world. 
I'm going to think how I want to think with any regards to God. These are Christians. So, of course, you know Paul's heart. He's saying, he's saying this. Hey, listen, look at these as opportunities for growth. You go, oh, Lord, have I been thinking worldly? Have I been thinking, forgive me, help me to grow in this. This is not a condemnation where you walk out of here and go, man, Pastor Ben, I hit all seven of those things. That's not the point. Paul's heart is to go, hey, this is how we should live. This is how you understand chapters 1 through 3. You understand what he's done for us. You, you get that. And so he's going, this is how. And, and I'm almost thinking that Paul's going, I, don't, I shouldn't have to tell you this. But he has to. Because we're human, aren't we? He has to. Now remember, remember, with all of my heart, if you fall short in any of these seven, just look at it as an opportunity to grow. That's all. That's all. Why? Because I have number three. This is the third sign that you're not maturing, you're not growing in the Lord. Look at verse 18 with me. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them, because of their blindness of heart. Here's the point. Having their understanding darkness, underline that because it means their, their minds are full of darkness. That's what he's saying. Their minds are full of darkness. Now listen carefully. It means that these are not able to really understand or comprehend God, the spiritual things, because of their ignorance. Because of their ignorance. We got to understand that this is not meant to offend anyone, so please don't take it that way if you've been saved for a long period of time and you're still ignorant in the the most basic theological truths and the most basic ideas of the Bible. All it shows is that you might not be growing. But the reason why is, again, here's the thing. Their, their thoughts are darkened. Their, their, their minds are, 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 are going back. And, and again, what God does, and, and that's why the, the Lord says they, we must be born again because what happens is it infiltrates our mind. And when we start to think, that's how we behave. And it makes sense, but if I'm not going to allow the growth in my heart, then I'm still going to have the dark thoughts because I don't understand what God wants me to do or what God's word tells me or how I'm supposed to live. What happened? I prayed a prayer. And what does it mean? I don't know. The pastor said I'm saved. Okay, let's party! And we go out and we still live the same way because we think we're saved. No, no, no. When God comes from above and he changes your heart, he's going to change your thinking. He's going to change the way you speak. He's going to change. And that's why, church, listen to me. That's why we go, well, I saw so-and-so walk forward at an altar. I hope he get, hope it takes. And we say that because we don't know if he's really. And, and again, it should take if he's changed from the inside out. Because it changes our thinking. And you should be able to look back and go, my whole thinking has changed. I used to want to grab you by the throat in my early days and shake you, and now I just hug you. I love you. It's different thinking. Paul says, hey, hey, listen, guys, listen. Are your minds full of darkness? The Bible tells us in Romans, right, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed how? By the renewing of our minds. Guys, we gotta continually remove our, re- renew our minds. Now, 
Let me just remind you, because it's so important. Do you remember what Paul told us in Ephesians chapter 3? Ben, quit harping on this. No, no, no. He says that we need to strengthen the inner man. We need to make sure that Christ fills that. We need to be rooted and grounded in love. We need to make sure we understand the fullness of God lives in us. He says, but you need to strengthen that inner man. When you strengthen that inner man, your mind, your thoughts, your heart, all of it changes. So here's the question, and you don't have to answer or stand up. If you were put on trial by your friends, could you be thoroughly convicted that you're a believer by how you think? By how you think. Or would your friends go, no, he's the same as he was 10 years ago. He's the same as he was 's the result we're being he says you're alienated from the life of God you know what that means we're separated from God we're separated from God due to their ignorance now this isn't a salvation issue Paul already assumes you're saved but you're walking apart from God due to your ignorance and he says no it, it should here's the point you want to grow you want to grow Listen, I'm biased to Calvary Chapel because we teach the Bible. We teach verse by verse. A lot of people in, the day, in this day and age want their ears tickled with, with good feeling, wonderful, your, your guys are champion messages. But that doesn't bring growth. It just makes me feel good. We need to be taught the Word of God so that we grow spiritually and we can act different. And our friends can look at us and go, you are different. What do you have? What do you have? I think, I think of my wife's diagnosis several years ago when they said, you have cancer and you could die. I watched her. I watched her. Her thinking had to change. It had already changed. She didn't care, if you will. I have to be careful how I say this. She didn't care if she was... She won either way. Either she's healed, she wins, or, or she's, she'll go to heaven and she wins. So what did she do? Her thinking was changed. And so the people at the oncology place was like, Natalie, you please sit down, quit going into the other rooms and telling people about Jesus. I watched her. Her thinking changed. She fought hard, but you understand. She knew either way. And when we go through hard times, every day, our thinking has to change. Lord, when we hear, listen, when we hear what's going on in the world, the evilness in our world, we have to have a a different mindset. We have to have a different mindset. We have to grow and say, you know what, Lord? I'm going to trust you. I voted my conscience. I voted biblically. And Lord, it's up to you. I'm going to trust you. Yeah, but everything's a mess. No, you know what? Things aren't falling apart. They're falling into place. The Lord Jesus is sending the rain. 
And we have to do our part, church. Let me admonish you. We have to do our part to reach out to our friends and our neighbors and those who are far from God and say, hey, you've got to come back. You've got to come back. We have a generation right here that we're losing because we, we've got to reach out to them. But we also have a bigger generation that we need to reach. Paul says, again, what does he say? He says, man, don't, make sure you're, you're, you're not darkened in your understanding, that you have a good, thorough understanding of the Word of God. And can, let me just say this to you, okay? Let me just say this. Always, everybody say always, always. Study, study your Bible, okay? Don't take my word for it. Be a Berean. Study the Word of God. Why? Because this is going to keep you from following to every wind of doctrine. Oh, so-and-so's got a new teaching. Oh, let's follow. No, 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 no. Study. What does the word say? That includes myself. That's why I say, get your Bibles. You want to make sure that what I'm saying is in the word of God. Please don't ever come in and go, well, Pastor Ben's so great. Just whatever he says is golden. No. Because that's going to keep you from... You're flipping through the channels, you see somebody, very dynamic, very powerful, and you fall hook, line, and sinker into false doctrine. We study the Word of God. Let me give you number four. Jot this down, that you have a hard heart. If you're not growing, you have a heart. Look at verse 18 again with me, guys. Having their understanding darkened, being separated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them. Why? Because of the blindness of their heart. If you have a pencil handy, underline the word blindness because it actually means hard. It's called, it's, it's uh, porosis in the Greek. It's where we get our term osteoporosis. Anybody know about that? It's the hardening and it means callous. It means blindness. The idea is hard like rock, right? Like a rock. And it's referring to someone whose heart is so hard, listen to me, no truth can penetrate through that person's heart. Listen, they've made up their mind that this is how they're going to live, and they refuse to change. They refuse to change. Guys, this is what he's saying. It says their minds are full of darkness, Ben. They wander far from the life of God because they have closed their minds and they've hardened their heart against them. Can you imagine any believer hardening your heart against the living God? But let me tell you what, it, what this looks like in the life of a believer. It's where believers have no rights. They, a believer, um, as believers, we have no rights to say, well, this is how I am. Because it means our hearts are hardened and the truth can't come in and change us. Every one of in, us in this room from and children's ministry, everything, every one of us in this room should be growing and saying, God, change me. Change me. How dare us think that we've come to the place where we've arrived. We go, Lord, I want to be more like you. I want to be more like you. I don't want a hard heart. I don't want to go, this is the way I am. Take it or leave it. Wow. Wow. Let me say this, church. Don't let your religion, well, I grew up this religion. Don't let religion, don't let pride, don't let the heritage or anything else keep you from growing in God. 
Don't have a hard heart. Every one of us should come Sunday morning, Wednesday nights, Bible study. Open, Lord, open my heart. I want to grow in you. I want to grow in you. There's no shame in growing at age 85 or 5. There's no shame in growing. We just want to learn and be more like Jesus. We all have a sphere of influence, guys, in our lives. All you, How you talk to people on the phone, who you visit with, your family. You all have a sphere and they're looking at you and you just want to be like Jesus and be real at home as you are here. Don't be two different people. You come to church and say, Hi, how are you? Oh, God bless you. Oh, it's good to see you. And at home you're like... Right? Don't be that guy. Let the truth come in. Here, I'm going to say it again, guys, until you're sick of, of me saying it. Let the Scripture read you. Always put yourself in that spot. Lord, where am I in this? Am I having idols in my life? Am I... Mm. Women, we do that a lot to our husbands. Hey, this is for you. Listen to him. Instead of going, Lord, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? So many times we try to change someone when it's far better to change ourselves and let the Lord change the other person. Right? It's so amazing. Why? We learned this at dance class. If you missed dance class, you missed out. Because it wasn't dance. It was a lesson in marriage. Trust me. Josh did an amazing teaching on, on dance, but it all was biblical, I'm telling you. And every time Josh would say, well, the man has to lead, my wife would look at me and go. And I said, baby, I can't lead and count at the same time. I, don't, I, just, I can't do this. But we're called to lead. But guess who's called to follow? <laughs> Guess who's called to follow? And you don't know you're not following until you take dance class. I thought I was a follower. Let me give you number five. I was going to say something about Dee Dee, but I'll leave that to her. <laughs> number five sign is found in verse 19. Ephesians says, Who... Being past feeling, having given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. Guys, Paul's still talking to church, but let me give you number five. It's no sensitivity to sin. You're not sensitive to sin anymore. You go, what do you mean? Well, he says who, being past feeling, means no sense of shame. There's no sense of shame. It means they're senseless, shameless, hopeless, the ultimate result of a long process of hardening your heart and habitual and, and habit to sin. Pastor, what are you saying? When we refuse to grow in the Lord and live a very long time with worldliness and being hard-hearted, we will eventually lose sensitivity to sin. As a matter of fact, you can sin and you won't even know it. The hard heart. The Holy Spirit comes and goes, hey, hey. And we got to be careful. 
Why is Paul sharing this? He's saying because you guys need to understand chapters 1 through 3 so that you can make sure that you, you're growing in God. Now, I don't know if in the text Paul is looking at the Ephesian church and he's seeing Christians that are, are, are worldly and he's seeing Christians that are... I don't know if he's saying that, but I know he wants to admonish us so you and I can go, okay, I need to check my heart. I want to make sure that, that, I, that I'm sensitive to sin, that when I sin, I realize it very quickly. Oh, Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, question. You have the sin of, of right? You have the sin of commission, right? You have the sin of committing a sin, you do something, but you also have the sin of omission. I want you to ask, ask yourself a question. Do you feel that same conviction, beautiful Holy Spirit conviction, with what you think? You see, it's one thing for me to be mean and, 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 and do something spitefully, right? Whatever it might be. But what about when we think these things? What about when we really think on these things and it's awful and ugly towards somebody else? Well, that's sin. And we should just be as sensitive to that because the Holy Spirit lives in us and, and the Holy Spirit is, is actually... He knows what you're thinking. Now, I've already asked you to forgive me when I first started because I love you very much, but when you think about this, you're like, wow, this is heavy duty, man. This is heavy duty, but it's important. So I want to look at it and go, okay, Lord, is this me? Is it an opportunity for me to grow? Do I need to be careful how I think? Do I need to be careful in my attitude? And it's okay. I say that carefully. It's okay. And sometimes we, we, we just get angry or we get upset or we're just tired and we're just frustrated. And, and sometimes we just, we're just mean. We need to confess it quickly and go, I'm so sorry. I don't know why I jumped, I jumped down at you. It's frustration, is it not? You have a hundred things you're juggling in the air and somebody throws one more and you get frustrated and it comes out. And where does it usually come out? To the one you love. The most important one you love. And then you see the hurt on their face. And you should instantly go, hey, I'm sorry. I'm, I don't... I want you to think about the one thing that you might have hurt your spouse with or daughter or whatever it might be. I want you to think about that one thing. You go, oh, I know, Pastor. A hundred years from now, what frustrated you is not going to matter, is it? And yet we hurt those we love because we've got to be careful and we've got to be sensitive to sin, not only openly, but how we think. And so our prayer would be, Lord, change my thinking. Change my thinking. Let me give you number five. It says, and they had given themselves over to lewdness. Do you guys see that? It means you've given yourself over to sin. You've given yourself over. And here's what it means. Lewdness is, means this, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. Impurity. You can kind of see the progression. Do you remember how Paul writes to Timothy? In the last days, there'll be perilous times. Men will be lovers themselves, lovers of money, da 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 all the way down. That's kind of the same way. He says it starts off with worldliness. And then all of a sudden, we're going to start spiraling down till we get to the place where what? Till we give, them, give ourselves over to lewdness? So whenever you say, you know what? I'm not even going to try anymore. 
I'm not even going to try to be victorious over this particular temptation. Forget it. I can't win. I'm just going to give myself over to this. It's a sign that we've stopped growing in the Lord. In the Lord. Guys, listen to me. When you're struggling with sin, and you're struggling, that's a good sign the Holy Spirit is still working in you. When you go, ah, Francis, why'd you do that, man? Eh, because that's who I am. This is how I brought up. This, you understand, this is me. Take it or leave it. No, no, no. He goes, oh, Pastor Ben, I'm struggling with that. Amen, bro. Amen. Because I want to fight sin till the day I die. I want to fight. I don't want to do, you know, I know it's going to be there. I know it's going to be there. I know I'm going to have awful thoughts. I know sometimes my attitude's going to be, oh, but I want, to, I want to go down punching. I don't just want to accept it. Well, you know, I, I have this, this awful stuff on my computer because that's just who I am. And my wife told me that I can look as long as I don't touch. That's baloney. You see, that's, guys, that's giving yourself over to sin. That's giving yourself over to sin. And we want to grow. We want to grow. Let me give you the last one. Let me give you the last one. It's greed. Because he says you'll work all uncleanness with what? Greediness. Uncleanness and greediness of gain often go hand in hand. Though greediness here includes all kinds of self... In other words, you're going, it's, it's what I want. I'm, it's, this, is what, this is what I'm going to do. We're full of greed. When you're full of greed, listen to me. Ooh, this is going to hurt. Love you guys. <laughs> when we're walking in greediness. You ready, Francis? Okay. Yeah, get your toes up. We're not naturally content with the things that we've been given. Ouch. Ouch. Right? I'm looking and going, wow. I wonder, this is me. You guys can listen. I'm going to preach to me now. I wonder, I wonder how many times I've complained to God because I think things are unfair. I'm not content with the way things are. It's not fair, God. That church over there has more people. It's not fair, God. What about this? And it's not fair, and so forth, and so forth. I wonder how many times. Lord, I want to be content with where I live, who I am, the size of my church, all of it. I want to be content. And I mean content in the way of going, Lord, you're so good. You've blessed us. So here's my question. Here's my question. How many of us got up this morning and thanked God we had running water in our house? You did? <laughs> you li- Are you sure? <laughs> we got up a, Lord, I have a shower. Amen. We, we take these things for granted, don't we? But how cool is that, that the Lord has blessed us and we have showered and we have a roof over our head. And for some of you, you have the heater on and for some of you, you have the air conditioning on or whatever it might be, but we're blessed, aren't we? And we, we need to be content with those things. 
We need to be content with them. When we're naturally discontented with where we live, with what we have, it could be a sign that we're not growing in Christ, according to Paul and the Holy Spirit. So what does Paul do? He says, hey, I've given you seven signs, and so you and I are going, well, Lord, help us. Help us to grow. And he says, okay, we're going to help you grow. Look at verse 20. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. You go, Ben, what is he saying? In other words, but that isn't what you learned about Christ since you've heard about Jesus and you've learned the truth that comes from him. That's what he's saying. He's saying, he's saying that isn't what you guys learned. Can I get an amen? That's not what you learned about Jesus. What we've learned is truth. It only comes from him. That's what we've learned. Okay, Ben, I get that. So how are we to grow? Look at verse 22. He says, okay, ready, church? That you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. What's he wants us, what, what does he want us to do? He wants us to throw off our old sinful nature and the way we used to live. You need to hold a memorial service for the day you died. That guy's gone. That guy's gone. Why? Because it was corrupted by lust and deception. That's what Paul says. It's corrupted. Well, what should I do? He says, he says this. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed. In the, here, here's what happens. Ready, church? What we think, look at me, what we think move 17 inches into our heart, and that's how we behave. Change your thinking, and you'll change your behavior. So renew your spirit. How? The spirit of your mind. The spirit of your mind. I've told you for years upon years, church, listen to me. Here's the admonition to both you and to me. Be careful what you put in your eye gate. Be careful what you put in your ear gate because that forms thoughts. Oftentimes, if I'm being honest with my church that I love, there are times when I struggle with some sort of depression. Maybe you do too. Then you go, what is it? Well, it's oftentimes I start to think about things and I play them over in my mind and I'm not content with what God has done. You understand, you understand, 20 years ago we planted this church with hopes of being an influence, if you will, in our community a large Calvary Chapel. You understood that you had a younger pastor come out here excited and was just like, come on. And I want to see this. And Come on, Lord, you're going to do great things. And, and then 20 years later, we're still here. And the Lord's like, you don't understand. And so I start looking inward And your pastor gets down from time to time. He gets down. 
And I need to renew the spirit of my mind. And, and that you put on the new man which is created according to God and true righteousness and true holiness. That's all of a sudden, I'm putting on the new nature. I'm putting on the new nature, created like God, truly righteous and holy. So what do I need to do? The little translation is you take off, like you know how you take off clothes to put them in the hamper? He says, take off the old man, throw them in the hamper, and put on the new nature. The new nature. And that's the admonition for us, right? And I think this is a perfect segue into communion. Why? Because we're going to take off the old and renew by the spirit of our minds. This is how we're going to do. And as the ushers get up and come forward, let me just share a few things as we close. You go, what's that? First and foremost, take a good look at our walks, but not condemning ourselves, but looking for opportunities to grow. Okay, take a good look. If we happen to discover any signs of immaturity, then let's quickly confess, let's repent, and let's start again. That's a good one. Number three, throw off that old sinful nature, our former life, get rid of it once and for all. Here's what I want you to do. Ready? Surrender to Jesus. Why is that important? Because it's not making a commitment to Jesus, it's surrendering to Jesus. Why is that important? Surrender is a, is a, is a lot different word than commit. You can commit and then change your commitment. But when you surrender, you give all. Number four, put on new clothes. Renew your mind, walking in nature, walking in a new nature like God, like God. So we're going to pray. The ushers are going to pass out the elements. Please hold them in your hand because we're going to take as a family. Father, you are gracious and compassionate and loving and merciful. And we thank you. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.